I want to begin by saying that the devil has no power. He has no power. He has zero power. But see what he does is, he deceives you into giving your power to attack you. Do you see what he does? He has absolutely no power. But he can deceive you and then when you give your power, you know, you know, you know, like in the rural places, you see demonic manifestation. Where are they getting the power from? They're getting the power from the humans who are sacrificing their hearts, sacrificing their honor, sacrificing chickens and you know, all the blood. Demons have no power at all. But they use the power that humans give them to demonstrate fancy things. So stupid. We've been so deceived. We've been so hoodwinked by the deception of the devil. That's why Paul says, you know, know the deception, know, know the tactics, know the strategies of the enemy so that you will not be hoodwinked. Don't give him your power. Do you, do you guys have a mouth? Okay, just testing. Yeah, so the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. My question to you is, who is going to say no to him? That's his job. He'll come into your life, he'll come to steal, kill and destroy whatever he can get. And if you keep giving him permission... If you keep giving him authorization, he'll continue to do so. Who in your family is going to say no? Not anymore. The violence, the violent takes the kingdom by force. How many violent people here? Kingdom of God is not for the faint-hearted. Let me just tell you that. It's not for the people who are polite. Oh yeah, devil, yeah. Oh, you are here again? Yeah, it's okay. It's for the violent who takes it by force. It's your inheritance. If you knew it was your inheritance, how would you fight it for? How would you fight it for? If you knew that something was your inheritance, no matter who stood against it, no matter it was the government, would you still not fight against it? then why, why give in to the schemes of the devil? Why give in to the schemes of the devil? Okay, let me begin. Hallelujah, are you guys excited? Yes. Okay. Still want to talk about prayer? And I want to tell you, your words matter. So when you're praying, your words matter. When you finish praying, the words that come out of your mouth matters. Your words have power of life and death. So be very careful of what goes out of your mouth. But don't be so careful that you, it, it feels like you're walking on eggshells. So you should see that as an indicator. The words that come out of your mouth should be an indicator of what's in your heart. So if you are constantly talking rubbish, that means there needs to be a renewal here. 
just by controlling this will not help so in prayer we ask the lord lord change my heart so that the words that come out are aligned to god's word if you feed yourself with god's word and if the word of god has flooded your heart then what comes out of your mouth will be also god's word yes okay so prayer what one of the things that we have to remember in prayer is that prayer needs to be balanced prayer needs to be balanced do you know if your body goes out of balance you have a disease any particular hormone or any particular uh, vitamin or you know have a deficiency or whatever it is happening because the body is out of order the body is healthy when every system in the body is balanced body is healthy when every system in the body is balanced so we need balance while we pray and the best balance in prayer is persistence and thanksgiving persistence and thanksgiving so ephesians 1:17 paul says like this i do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers i do not cease do not cease is persistence giving thanks is thanksgiving a balanced prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving and persistence say with me thanksgiving and persistence thanksgiving and persistence sail don't put this on youtube okay but next time i'm going to bring a huge cane i'm going to <laughs> whack whack the words out of you okay okay balanced prayer is a prayer of persistence and come on say it again persistence and thanksgiving so today i'm going to focus more on why persistently you need to pray but just to give an idea thanksgiving and persistence has to go hand in hand persistence shows your dependence to god persistence shows that you cannot do anything without him thanksgiving shows that he has already done it on the cross everything that you're praying for it's already finished so any time you you go to an extreme of any of these either dimensions you go into an error it has to be balanced it has to be a balanced prayer of persistence and thanksgiving meaning you need to be persistent and you need to be thankful at all times so if you are only persistent and if you're not thankful it seems like you're talking to a god who doesn't care about you oh lord help me oh lord heal me oh lord give me this but if you're only thankful and there's no persistence you'll become complacent you'll not depend on him so the balance is that you pray persistently but your prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving saying lord i know i've been praying this for the last 2 2 two hours but i still thank you for the blessing that you've already released over our lives i still want to thank you for the answers that you've already released over our lives so it is from a place of thanksgiving but you are doing persistently 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 okay but today i want to specifically talk about why you should pray persistently uh, what's the reason what is really stopping us from our prayers to be so effective that we have to pray persistently okay i'm i'm going to give you a case 
And if you get it, my goodness, your prayer life should change. Okay? Luke chapter 18. Come with me. Luke chapter 18 from verse 1. This is Jesus. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So Jesus is telling his disciples a parable. In the following verses, he's going to tell them a parable. And the reason why he's telling them a parable is so that they will always pray and not lose heart. Remember when the prayer series started and you begin to pray? Are you still praying with the same heart? Or have you lost your heart? Are you still praying with the same intensity? Or it is now it has become more ritualistic? Okay, so Jesus is telling this parable so that you will always ought to pray without losing heart, without losing passion. Okay, are you ready? Let's read the story. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. So why was this widow coming to the judge? Because she wanted justice. Why do we pray persistently? Because we want justice. Say with me, because we want justice. She says, give me justice against my adversary. The reason why you need to pray persistently is because you have an adversary. You have an adversary who makes sure that you don't get justice. If the enemy was taken out of the picture, you don't need to pray. Because everything God has released in the person of Jesus, you've, you've received it as an inheritance. You don't have to pray at all. You just got it, just like that. Just like that, free gift. But because we have an adversary, he is doing everything he can to stop us from walking into our inheritance. That's why we need to pray persistently. Right? Let's read ahead. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Why is he unrighteous? Because he does not fear God, neither does he respect man. But see what the Lord continues saying. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? God is expecting you to pray. He's like, I wish if you had just continued in that faith journey of believing, your, your miracle was just one step, ahead, step away from it. Just one step away from it. Can I tell you this? Your breakthrough is just one prayer away. One prayer away. And Jesus is saying, if, if this unrighteous judge, if he grants her justice, not because he's righteous, but because he's, he's getting tired of a continual pushing, 
will not God who is just, who is righteous, will he not speedily give you justice? The problem with us is we don't know what we are praying for. We don't know our right. We don't know our inheritance. This widow knew that she needed justice from an adversary who was taking her inheritance. Do you know your inheritance? Do you know what you're fighting for? Do you know what you're praying for? Do you know what the enemy has stolen from you? And if, if you do know what the enemy has stolen from you, what is your case? Where is your case? See, it's like, imagine with me, your grandfather gave you an inheritance of 100 acres of land. And somebody encroached that land and is building a mall. Now you go to the court and you file your case. Now the judge hears your case, but the judge needs to know, okay, how do I know that this land actually belongs to you? What is your case? Where is your title deed? Give me some authentic paper that, that is more authentic, that gives more authorization than what the opposition has brought in so that I can rule the case in your favor. So there are two things when you fight a case, when you're praying, there are two things. One, you need to know what your inheritance is. You need to know what the enemy is stealing from you. If you don't know what the enemy is stealing from you, what are you praying for? What are you fighting for? The second thing is, you need to know your case. Where is your authorization paper that tells you that this is your inheritance? What is your title deed? Where is that power of attorney, the, the document that verifies that this is your inheritance? Because we don't know either we, we live our lives defeated, we live our lives living a potential that is much, 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 much less than what God has for us. Are you guys with me? How many, how many of you are violent enough to say that I want my inheritance back and I want to walk in the full inheritance that the Lord has given to me? The kingdom of God is for you. It's for each and every one of you. The kingdom of God has been given to you freely the day you receive Jesus. But the enemy is fighting against you so that you will not walk in the fullness of the kingdom. It is your right. It is your right. That's why we pray persistently and we pray with thanksgiving because God has already released it. But you have to make your case. What is your case? What are you fighting for? What is your case? Where is the authorization paper? What, what makes you worthy to receive this inheritance? Okay? So I'm going to tell you those two things. One, what is your inheritance? Second, what is your case? So come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the other word for anyone is in Christ is enfolded in Christ. If you're wrapped in Christ, if you're enfolded in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
Your inheritance, when you receive Jesus, your inheritance is that you became a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. You're a new creation. See, when, when a computer is infected by a virus, it takes a lot of expertise to remove that virus. Sometimes these viruses are so bad that it can infect the heart is so bad that there's no way to fix it other than changing the hard disk. God did not just clean you. He changed you. You're a new creation. You're born from above. You're born again. He changed you completely. You're new. In fact, this word new creation, that word is a species that was never there. That didn't exist exist before you're not you're not restored back to the glory that adam had when he was in the garden you're a new creation way you're a better prototype than adam you're in the prototype of christ not in the christ that was formed out of mary you're in the proto prototype of christ who defeated death who resurrected who was raised and who is seated at the right hand of god you're in that same prototype. And that's why Paul says, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. So do you know that you do injustice when you keep comparing your life with your past? Do you know that you do injustice? Do you know that you do injustice when you derive your identity from that fallen Adam? I'm a sinner. I'm struggling through this. I have this issue. I have uh, schizophrenia, it runs in my family. I have this generational blood disorder. What you're doing is you are deriving your identity from your earthly Adamic identity than declaring the spiritual identity that you have received in Christ, that you're a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, things have become new. That's your inheritance, things have become new. Things have become new. So if you find in your life that things are not new, then you have every right to pray and to declare that this is absolutely illegal because I am in Christ, so I have to be a new creation. Can I say like this? If your life does not look like Christ, then you have every right to fight for your right to become like Christ. Will you be violent enough to say, if the conditions of my life is not like Christ, I will be violent enough to receive the inheritance that I've already received in Christ. Not just going to let go and be like, yeah, I'll manage this somehow. I'll manage my anger issues. I'll manage, somehow I'll just manage my finances. Somehow I'll just manage these issues that I have. When are you going to get up and say, not again? Not in my family. This stops right here, right now. We need people like Caleb and Joshua who has been given the inheritance but they have the audacity to say, tell us, Moses, just tell us today, 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 we'll go and conquer. Not like the 10 spies. Oh, the giants are big. I don't know, it's impossible. I don't know, my job does not allow me. no, no. No excuses. 
You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. Everything has become new. It's your right. You are a new creation. You cannot be suffering through the same sickness again. You cannot be suffering through that same pattern of sin again because you're a new creation. He who is born of God cannot sin. That's what the Bible says. It does not say might not sin. It says cannot sin. It's an impossibility. Are you born of God? You cannot sin. So if you see that there's a gap between what the Bible shows that this is your prototype and if you see a gap between how your life looks, then you have every right to get on your knees and pray and declare, God, this is not done. I will declare the righteousness of God in my life. This is not done. This is absolutely illegal. It's absolutely illegal. Believers... The reason why believers face the same problem again and again is because we somewhere have become complacent. We are like somebody who is sitting on the sofa, we open the door, the thief comes in. Oh, you've come in? Yeah, what do you want today? You want the TV? Yeah, take it. We become so comfortable. And the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy and we've become so comfortable. You know why? Because we don't know what we are fighting for. We don't know our inheritance. The violence, the violent takes it by force. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the polite either, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Who is an ambassador? Somebody who represents Christ. Yes, we are ambassadors for Christ. You are representatives of Christ. Now tell me something, if you are a representative of Christ and if you are an ambassador of heaven representing a completely different dimension and a different reality but you don't have the resources to do it, what would you do? Shouldn't you call up headquarters and say, hey guys, this is not done. See, when, when an American ambassador starts living in any country Let's say, for example, a third world country, it doesn't matter. Because he lives, even though he's living in a different country, he lives in the standards of the country that he's coming from. The moment you enter the American embassy of any country, it will feel like America. Your life, your life should reflect heaven because you're ambassadors for Christ. If it does not reflect heaven, that means something is wrong. You have to call up the headquarters and ask for resources. This is not done, guys. Send us the resources that is needed for this to become heaven. Jesus, when he, when he sent his disciples, you know, two by two, in, in Matthew chapter 10, he, he, sent, he sent them and he said, proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand and heal the sick. Raise the dead. Why? Because this, this gospel that we are not preaching, it has to be demonstrated practically. So if your life is talking about the gospel of Jesus, that your, your destination and your origin is heaven, if that's your gospel that you believe, then shouldn't you have something to show in your life? Don't you have something to show practically? Any product that you, that you sell as a salesman... You, you show a demo, 
your life should be a demo of what you're selling. Your life should be a glimpse of heaven. If it is not, then you have every right to pray for the resources to come because it's absolutely illegal and it's absolutely unfair for you to be an ambassador of heaven without the resources of heaven. It's, it's unfair. But if you don't ask, and if you have that Indian mindset, oh, let's do Jugad, you know, whatever is there, let's just... <laughs> That's your mindset. Are you going to fight for your inheritance? As if it's life and death. Come with me, the next verse. For our sake, he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Say with me, we become the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God. So we might become, it sounds like future tense, but it's not, you know. The, the Greek is, we are the righteousness of God right now. You are the righteousness of God. Say with me, I am the righteousness of God. What is righteousness? Righteousness is God's nature. The exact nature of God is that who, is that, is who you are. The exact nature of God you have. You have the exact nature of God. So when you look into your life and you see anger issues, mood disorders, mood swings, don't get comfortable and try to manage it. It is your right to believe and to declare that I am the righteousness of God. This cannot be it. The righteousness of God is anything that is wrong it has the power to set things right. So for example, this mic, the purpose of this mic is to amplify the voice, right? If the mic is not amplifying the voice, that means it's malfunctioning. The righteousness of God has the power to bring it back into its authentic design so that it can function. So the righteousness of God, you are the righteousness of God. Righteousness is connected to rule and reign. Because when you, when you talk about righteousness, whom, whom, whom do you remember? You remember righteous judge, you remember righteous king, because you want a king or the ruler to rule justly and righteously. So whenever you talk about righteousness, it is connected to rule and reign, meaning wherever any area of your life, anything that is on earth that does not correlate to the authentic design of God, the righteousness of God set those things right. So if things needs to be created, if divine possibilities needs to be created, the righteousness of God will create them. But if, if things needs to be restored, the righteousness of God will restore them. But the righteousness of God is there to set things right. Anything that is wrong, to set things right. The Bible says, you are the righteousness of God. In other words, you are the justice of God. This world is unjust, right? This world is in full of chaos. It's not in peace. Why? So that you can be revealed as the justice of God. Where things are wrong, you can set things right. And it starts with you personally, where you start experiencing the nature of God as He is. Do you know that when God sees you, God sees you exactly as a prototype of Jesus? That's how God sees you. 
you are the righteousness of God. The nature of God. You have a right standing with God. That's your inheritance. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just giving you a glimpse. You'll, you'll find more of what your inheritance is. I'm just giving you a glimpse that you're a new creation, that you're ambassadors for Christ, and you are the righteousness of God. That's what we are praying for. Nothing less than that. In other words, what we are praying for is, my life should correlate to the life of Jesus. If it doesn't, then it's illegal. It's absolutely illegal. And I have absolute right and the power to fight my case. Amen. How many unbelieving believers here today? Okay, how many believing believers here today? Come on, great. So do you understand what you're praying for? You're praying for your inheritance. I'm a new creation. I'm an ambassador for Christ. And I'm the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. Anything that is wrong needs to be set right. God uses me, uses through me. You know, I absolutely believe in effortless living. Effortless living does not mean that you will not do any effort. Effortless living does not mean that you'll sit in your, sleep in your couch and you know somehow money will come and people will cook for you. That's not effortless living. That's what boys think when they want to get married. But that's not effortless living. Effortless living is, effortless living is that you are not the one who is stressing, who is stressing about the effort. It is, you know, like Jesus said, I'm not the one who does the work. It's the Father in me who does the work. So I'm not absolutely stressful. Is he doing it through me? Of course. Is he using my hands? Yes. Is he using my legs? Yes. The effort is being done through me. And it looks like I'm doing the effort, but the stress is not on me. It's not my responsibility. Can this church walk in effortless living in every area of your life, in your career, in your families, in the relationships that you have, in the finances that you manage? Can you walk in effortless living? Because that's your portion. Effortless living. Absolutely effortless living. Stress-free. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit that you have received is not the spirit of fear. Fear is a sin. I want to outrightly tell you, don't entertain fear. Fear is a sin. You know, we pray to God so much for sexual purity. I, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, that is, you have to pray to God for sexual purity. Not denying that. But I'm saying, don't neglect fear. Don't entertain fear. Fear is from the devil. We have not received the spirit of fear. Don't entertain fear. Okay, so... What are you fighting for? What are you praying for? You're praying for your inheritance, that you're a new creation, that you're ambassadors for Christ and that you're the righteousness of God. There are so many, but just for the benefit of today's sermon, I just limited to these three. But you understand what I'm trying to say. What is your case? What's your case? What's your authorization paper that tells you that you're a new creation? What's your authorization paper that tells you that you are the ambassador for Christ? What's the authorization paper that tells you that you're the righteousness of God? What is it? How did you become the righteousness of God? 
I have no idea. But the Bible says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. If Jesus could become sin, if Jesus who knew no sin could become sin, then I who knew no righteousness could become the righteousness of God. Sometimes, I'm just, this is a little out of the syllabus, okay? Sometimes, the reason why we don't get our prayers answered is because we are too focused on the how of how that prayer is going to be answered than to be focused, than to be believing for the result of the prayer. How are you, God, I need finance, but how are you going to do it? Will you increase my salary? Will you promote me? I don't see that happening, Lord. It's not your responsibility. Say with me, the how is not my responsibility. It is the Father in me who does the work. See, Jesus looked at the fig tree, he cursed the fig tree and he walked off. He didn't care if it was a lightning that was going to dry. He didn't care if somebody was going to put fire. He didn't care. He just spoke and he walked off. The next day when the disciples saw, Peter was like, Jesus, Jesus, see, you spoke and it dried up. Say, don't care about the how. You believe for what your inheritance is. You believe, let God worry about the how. Let God take care of the how. Okay. Now, what is your authorization paper? Your authorization paper for your inheritance. The blood of Jesus and the cross is your authorization. Come with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you who were dead, good news, this is not now, you who were dead, past tense, okay? And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. A lot of things happened on the cross, guys. And one of the things was that Christ gave you back your inheritance. And he said, if anybody asks you for proof, show them the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but it is the power of God to those who are being saved the message of the cross the message of the cross cross is good enough evidence for you and me to believe that you have your inheritance you are not earning your inheritance through prayer please can I tell you this that's the problem if you go in one extreme of persistent prayer if you just keep praying without thanksgiving without realizing what God has done on the cross the extreme of it is you get worked out because you start thinking that it is because of my prayer that I'm being blessed no it is because of what God has done on the cross the blood of Jesus the cross of Jesus now I want to teach you something and I want you to listen to me very carefully because I, I, I want to explain to you why your prayers take time. Okay? Why did that widow go to the judge? Because there was an adversary who was not giving her justice. Why do we pray? 
Why do we keep praying? Because there's an adversary who does not walk, want us to walk in the inheritance that God has for us. Right? Now, understand, I want to talk to you about altars. I touched a little bit last week. Altars are powerful. See, when God created the earth, God gave authority to man over the earth. You understand that? So anything that happens on the earth happens through the authority of a man. Even though God is sovereign, God is supreme, he has limited himself and he works through man on the earth. Does that make sense? Now, when Abraham, when he started hearing God's voice, he started building altars everywhere he went. Every new place he went, he started building altars. How do you build altars? Altars is a physical, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a physical place where you, you sacrifice and you do it in the honor of God. But you have to understand the spiritual significance. What happens is, spiritually, Abraham gave authorization to God that this is your place and I honor you. You do as you please. So whenever you build an altar for God, it gives authorization and continuity. Say with me, authorization and continuity. What do I mean by continuity? Continuity, what I mean by it is many years later, when Isaac returned into one of those places where Abraham had built an altar, he sowed into that land and he reaped hundredfold the same year. This is supernatural. It's not natural at all. Supernatural. Why? Because Abraham had built an altar for the Lord. Many years later, when Jacob one day, he just lies on a random field. He lies down and he's sleeping and he has a vision of angels ascending and descending. And he sees the throne room of God. And he says in the morning, my goodness, I did not know that the presence of God was here. And I did not know of it. How did that happen? It's because Abraham had built an altar. Altars are powerful. Altars are powerful because they give permission and access to the supernatural to invade your life and to remain there that, that's why altars are powerful now altars are also they also work for the demonic realm as well that's where the that's where it gets tricky it works for the demonic realm as well so what I'm trying to tell you is if there's a demonic altar that has been placed by your grandfather, great-grandfather, somebody or in your family, if there's an altar that gives permission for the demons to invade your life, their presence and their influence and their oppression will be felt in your life. How do you know? How do you know that there's a demonic altar in your life? It's very simple. See, repeated pattern of fear, shame, guilt, condemnation, repeated pattern of sin and sickness, that will tell you that there is an evidence of a demonic altar in your life. Because any demonic altar stands on the offering of sin. <sighs> Don't like it so much, right? I get it. But this is why most of our prayers are ineffective because as much as we are praying, there's a demonic altar in, in the aspects of our lives that has been built that is hindering our prayers. See, it's like, just, just imagine with me. You, you ordered food and some food was left over, but you didn't clean it up. What is going to happen? You keep it for two days. It's obviously going to stink, but it's going to attract maggots. 
It's going to attract roaches. That is what happens when we do not deal with the issues of our life properly. When we don't deal in the presence of God, it attracts demonic oppression automatically. Like how maggots get attracted to thrash, a lot of thrash that is there in our heart, demonic oppression, demonic influence starts getting attracted. Okay? Now, when, when the Israelites, when the Israelites, when, whenever they, they turned their face away from God, how did they do it? By building altars. By building altars of false goddesses and by building false idols. And God would always warn them, don't do this, don't do this, because every time you do this, you're stepping out of my covenant and I cannot protect you. So every time they went after these false images and false idols and you know they, they built altars, what happened was they went into slavery. And when they repented and when they came back, the first thing that they did was they broke those altars and rebuilt altars for God. The only way that you want to be set free from this pattern of sin and sickness and whatever oppression, that demonic oppression has happened, you have to break these altars and rebuild the altar for God. Now, in the new covenant, you, you don't have to construct a physical structure as an altar for God. Your body itself is the temple of the Holy Ghost. But you have to declare in your life that the blood of Jesus is the highest blood covenant over my life that defeats every other covenant made by my forefathers. That's why you proclaim the blood of Jesus. That's why you proclaim the message of the cross because the message of the cross is the biggest altar that you have in your life. Any area of your life. This is why I want to tell you the good news. No matter how those demons have come into your life, if, if it was by invitation, willingly, unwillingly, by your mistake, by not knowing, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You have the authority and the power because Jesus has given you the message of the cross to fight against them and say no more no more so they come and tell you hey you have no idea but your father had a blood covenant with us so you belong to us you say I break that in the name of Jesus because the blood of Jesus is higher than any other blood covenant that's why you proclaim the blood of Jesus that's why this verse in Colossians chapter 2 where it says he forgave us all of our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt he cancelled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. These rulers and authorities, these demonic forces that come against you, the only thing that they have against you is your pattern of sin, fear, shame, condemnation, guilt. And you have to get up and say, no, no. Yes, I have done all of those things, but I am no longer held accountable for that because Jesus died on my place. Jesus has set it aside. That's why I don't have to go through the consequences of this. Whatever, whatever, whatever condition and covenant you made with my grandfather, forefather, I don't care. But I stand on the message of the cross and the message of the cross is I have become righteous because he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. You declare the righteousness of God. Do you know what you're fighting for? Do you know what you're fighting for? You're fighting for your inheritance that is in Christ. Your life is to be exactly like Christ because that is why Christ died for. It's not something that you have to strive. You have to just receive. It's a gift. 
Your life in Jesus is a gift. Jesus said in John 10:10 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I came to give you life and life abundant. So if your life is not reflecting an abundant life, that means you have full right full right to pray and cry out, this is illegal God. This is illegal. This is absolutely injustice. I want justice today. And I proclaim the blood of Jesus. I want justice today. The blood of Jesus is your title deed. The blood of Jesus is what gives you authorization saying that you can have everything that Jesus died for. You can have everything. Everything that Jesus died for. You know, there are two things that prayer does. Just stay with me. One is prayer opens our eyes. Because a lot of us, we don't know when we are deceived. Yeah? We don't even see these patterns of fear and patterns of sin and shame. So the truth, know the truth and it shall set you free. Truth actually reveals you first that you are in bondage. And because you know you are in bondage, can you fight to stay out of bondage? Does that make sense? See, there's a verse in Deuteronomy 29 which says, the secret things belongs to the Lord. So for example, if a gold is hidden and it's not dug, it belongs to the Lord. But the moment you dig it out and you find it, it becomes yours. The secret things belongs to the Lord. But when things are revealed, it belongs to you. So one thing that prayer does is it opens your eyes, gives you revelation. Say with me, revelation. Revelation, it is when you have revelation, you begin to fight more for what you have lost. Most Christians don't even know what they are fighting for because they don't have the revelation. So pray for God's revelation. That's why when we pray, you know, like Paul prays in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that you will give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation to open my inner eyes. You need to know what you're fighting for. Because when you have a revelation that you realize, man, this is, this is the kind of life that God has for you and this is where you're living, you have every right to sit, pray and declare God's goodness, God's faithfulness over your life till you possess it. Till you possess it. The second thing is what prayer does is prayer opens the doors that have that has been closed demonically. There are doors in your life that Satan has closed purposely because he knows that if those doors were open, you will be, you know, you will flow in the purposes of God. So deep demonic influence demonic oppression they have closed your eyes to those doors by 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 you know sealing those doors and they have been closed for generations in your family read with me psalms 24 i love this verse psalms 24 psalms 24 verse 7 to 10 lift up your heads come on say with me lift up your heads Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. When you have a revelation that Christ in you, the hope of glory is with you, is inside of you, there is no ancient door that can remain closed. It will all open. It will all open at the sight of the King of glory. The King of glory who lives within you opens all doors. So prayer does two things. One, it gives you revelation. Second, it opens these doors that has been closed. But the question is, do you have the strength 
to still pray persistently without losing heart this is your inheritance yes absolutely this is your inheritance that god has given to you in christ but the question to you is how much are you willing to fight for god wants to give you the best 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 of life because that life's name is jesus i'm not talking about just riches and fame and all i'm i'm talking about life whose name is jesus there's no other greater life than the life of jesus you can live the life of jesus today you can access it by faith but somehow because of fear and shame and guilt and condemnation it is stopping us from walking into this lifestyle of faith and i really want to ask you do you have the strength to stay and pray persistently believing in god for your inheritance saying this is not done god there has been injustice done against me and i i want to thank you for you have released it over jesus but i want to see it in my life i want to see it with my eyes opened not just spiritually i want to see it physically in my life i will not die and i will declare the goodness of the lord ha i will speak of his wondrous works i will see the land of the lord i will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living come on i'll see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living today i just want to declare over your life if you if if the devil has stolen something from you if it is if it is peace in your family if it is joy in your life if the if the oil of gladness is missing something that the devil has stolen from you the joy of your salvation i declare in the name of jesus immediate turn around immediate turn around immediate turn around in 24 hours immediate turn around immediate turn around if there is finances that you have invested in the kingdom and you have felt that the devil has stolen i speak in the name of jesus immediate turn around none of your seed will be lost none of your effort and time that you have invested and the kingdom will be lost it will be multiplied when the thief is caught he has to pay back seven times come on declare that over your life the vengeance belongs to the lord i am not going to stay silent i am going to declare the vengeance i am going to declare the vengeance of god i am going to declare the justice of god because i am the righteousness of god i am the righteousness of god and the righteousness of god and the righteousness of and the righteousness of god and the righteousness of god and the righteousness of god come on come on how many of you here want to take back your inheritance by violence while and take it by force if you are that person will you stand up and come on raise your voices up to heavens and declare i will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living i will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living no 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 more same patterns of sin and sickness in my life no more the same patterns i believe i believe i believe i believe i believe to receive whatever jesus has died for his death has not been in vain his life is not in vain he will live through me thank you jesus we declare 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 i just want to open open up the place if there's anybody who feels that they they want to just repent from something 
you know willingly and knowingly that there's something that you've opened in your life and you just want to repent just take this moment because god is a good father and he will he will answer your prayer speedily there is no power greater than jesus so just 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 say father i repent i repent of this pattern i repent of my wayward ways and i declare the righteousness of god in my life not because of my works but because of the blood of jesus come on i declare the blood of jesus over my life every demonic oppression i cancel it in the name of jesus come on open your mouth and declare that over your life over your families i cancel every demonic influence in the name of jesus i cancel every altar demonically that was built in the name of jesus i i proclaim the blood of jesus over my life i proclaim the blood i proclaim the blood that blood that speaks better words than able the blood that does not condemn the blood that says that you are justified you are loved you are taken care of you are chosen you are redeemed the blood that speaks better words than able shekheri arabaga shekheri dididididi khuda arabaga shekheri di thank you jesus thank you lord thank you lord Oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fond i know nothing but the blood of jesus oh precious oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fond i know nothing but the blood of jesus come on what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of jesus what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fond i know nothing but the blood of jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fond i know but the blood of jesus Oh nothing but the blood of Jesus nothing but the blood of Jesus Thank you Father for we are completely 
perfectly redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You have redeemed us by your blood and you have given to us the forgiveness of our sins. The adversary has nothing to hold against us because we have the legal right that says that we are clean, we are made whole, we are made perfect by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus has set us free. The blood of Jesus gives us the assurance that we are made whole. By your stripes we are healed. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus any genetic disorder that is in this place will be cancelled in the name of Jesus. There will be healing in the name of Jesus for your blood, for your blood has paid the price. Your blood has paid the price. And I speak the oil of gladness in this place today to be filled with the oil of gladness. The spirit of joy take over. Families that have not experienced joy in a long time, I cancel that altar in the name of Jesus. The oil of gladness take over. Know ye not that your temple, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body is the temple. Father, we declare in your name, in Jesus' name, the oil of gladness to overflow in our lives, in our families. Father, we speak your restoration. We speak your righteousness. We speak your peace. We speak your joy because it's our inheritance in Jesus. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it with all our hearts. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.